Wonderful. It is exciting for us to be here. And I thank the Lord for uh, your church. We thank the Lord for you. It's been a blessing to uh, meet you a little bit already, and we'll enjoy getting to meet one another through the rest of the uh, couple of days here. And uh, uh, certainly we thank the Lord for your church. Looking forward to our time with you on Sunday. And uh, it's a great blessing, and I thank the Lord that uh, you're taking the time as a church and as couples to invest in your lives and in your marriage, and that's a huge blessing. We will be filling in the blanks, and uh, all the answers uh, to all the questions are on page four. So if I'm not clear in filling something in, uh, you can go back there. We've double-checked those answers, and we're pretty sure they're, they're all uh, they're there. Uh, but we'll give them to you as we, as we go along. And I'd like to start by reading a scripture. So Genesis chapter 2, Genesis chapter 2, we'll start, uh, I'll start reading at verse 18. I, uh, for, the, for saving paper, I didn't put uh, all the notes in the, the scriptures in the notes, uh, but the references are there, and I'd like to take the time to read this uh, as we begin. So Genesis chapter 2, and starting please at verse 18. And the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him and help meet for him. And out of the ground the Lord formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air, brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. And Adam gave names to all the cattle and to the fowl of the air and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found an help meet for him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which, is the, which the Lord God had taken from man uh, made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, it is a great blessing uh, to come together for this kind of time of fellowship. Uh, bless each of the families back home. Uh, Lord, we uh, thank you for each of the couples here. And the Lord, we're thankful for your Holy Spirit. We're thankful for the principles of the Word of God. And now, Lord, would you sharpen us? Uh, would you convict us? Uh, would you edify us, build us up? Uh, Lord, as the theme of this retreat, uh, may you enhance and strengthen our connection uh, to you, our Heavenly Father, uh, to our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, to our dependence upon our Holy Spirit, your Holy Spirit, and uh, spouses one to another. And so we look to you for this time. Help us and bless us now, we pray, and we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So many years ago, uh, we might have taken some of these passages like we have just read, uh, not for granted. We never take the Word of God for granted, uh, but everybody knows about marriage. Everybody knows uh, it's, it's of the Lord, and uh, it's good, and it's a blessing, and all that sort of thing. And yet, uh, as days go by and, and we see what's going on around us, uh, it's not self-explanatory. 
and, and certainly not even for church folk, and maybe especially not so. And so it's very important and very helpful. Uh, Pastor Bill Good is the one that I originally heard uh, many of these notes from. That was many years ago, and I've used it all throughout um, my ministry and in counseling and in discipleship and have found it to be a great blessing. If you want to do an addition to the title, God's Basic Truths Concerning Marriage Connection, okay? That'll fit right in with our conference, Marriage Connection, and, uh, and I appreciate so much your theme. So, you know, without taking a lot of time to go into it, but just to, uh, to remind you of some things that are going on, who would have thought that some of the things that are being said and done and regarded or disregarded about marriage would be happening. Uh, I was just told this um, this Sunday that in Greenville, South Carolina, we're south of that, about three or four hours down Hilton Head Island, uh, and a lady has a sister in Greenville, and one of the middle school, I don't know if it's a boy or a girl, but a middle school child identifies as a cat. And so the school has that child, uh, has provided a litter box in the restroom for that child. Uh, folks, I can't believe the, 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 the culture and the society that we're living in. Uh, and then the whole marriage thing, you know, um, uh, why get married when you can just, uh, just have a, a partner and so on. So we understand the culture we're living in. We came here as couples to this retreat to get a hold of the Lord, to get a hold of Bible principle, uh, just be reminded, refreshed, retuned, re-encouraged, uh, and re-strengthened. This is the culture that we are in that God is using us to be lights and salt in. So we're going to be going over some basic things, uh, but some very helpful things I trust. We are living in a Corinthian-like society, number two in the introduction. Um, and some would say we've outrun the usefulness of marriage. You know, that was old school. That was Victorian. Uh, we can do lesbian. We can do homosexual. We can do multiple partners. We don't have to be married. Uh, we can do all sorts of things and so on. Uh, marriage re really isn't that important. It's nice. If it works, if it doesn't work, then okay. Um, that is not what the scripture teaches. And so marriage is of God, and we want to take a very close look at that. Uh, the problem isn't that marriage can't work. Uh, the problem is many folks take it for granted, and they're not working at God gives us the plan. God plans the work, and then we work God's plan. And I hope that this will help us as we go along. So what do we have? One, two, three, four, uh, five major uh, truths, if we will, about this marriage connection. Number one. Marriage is given by God. Verse 18, again, And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be, uh, be alone. I will make and help meet for him. And so that's God's plan, uh, and it's, it's very good. Uh, man's ideas are wrong. Here's your blank, started by cavemen. Uh, the evolutionary point of view, which is where we're not coming from, we're creationists in the beginning God. And we just read how God instituted uh, marriage. 
And, uh, but man's ideas, if you go with evolution or what have you, well, men kind of hominids, you know, they bumped along and needed a woman or needed a man and so on. And these cavemen uh, were doing their cavemen thing. And then I added a couple more blanks. Uh, in our culture today, they're helped, and I only mean that in, in severe uh, uh, air quotes or parenthesis there, what do you call those, quote marks, uh, drag queens, drag queens. Uh, our military, I'm very sad to say, uh, at least I know the, the Navy is using drag queens to recruit uh, new recruits. I, I don't understand that. I'm preaching through the book of, of Revelation, verse by verse, chapter by chapter. Had never done that, you know, book cover to book cover in, in Revelation. I know what's happening. You know, this world is getting ready uh, for Satan's takeover. And, and the world is, is moving uh, very far along in that direction. Uh, but who needs marriage when you got drag queens, you know, cavemen, uh, all that sort of thing? Uh, man's ideas are wrong, number two, for civilized and I do put that kind of in, in quotation marks. Uh, and this is where the world is coming from. Why do we need, you know, civilized Western, that's your other blank culture. Who needs that? Maybe we don't want to be civilized. Maybe we don't want to be Western. Maybe we just want to, to do our thing. Europe, I think, from everything I've been told, uh, Europe is further along in the whole nudity, you know, humanism, socialism, you know, who needs marriage type of thing or what have you. Of course, we understand this is a worldwide mentality, losing the word of God, losing God out the picture and so on. And so who needs that? You know, uh, we don't need that. We're getting along fine, uh, inventing new things or just doing different things. Uh, man's ideas are wrong. Number three there, it's no longer useful. If it works, fine, but if it doesn't work, then, then, then figure something else out. It's no longer useful or needed, and if it doesn't work, ditch it, change it, do something else. That's the world's ideas. Man's ideas are wrong. B, God gave us marriage, and God has the answers. Uh, do I hear an amen on that? Yes, sir. Uh, that's why we're here. We're, we're here because we know God has given us his word. We know God has the answers. We're looking for those. Again, I thank the Lord that your cup is turned up and we're asking the Lord to fill it. And so we absolutely need to be convinced of that. And then I do ask this question quite personally. I know you're here. I know we believe in the Lord. I know we believe in the institution of marriage, but there is a there's a need in your marriage right now, because there is in mine. There's a need in every marriage. And are you 100% convinced that God can help, it, help you with it? I believe that would be the case. You're here. But we have to be convinced. God has the answers. The devil has the problems. And God allows those trials. But God has uh, the plan, God's marriage plan. So number one, uh, the marriage plan is given by God. Uh, number two under that, God's plan is very good. God's plan is very good. Uh, in Sunday school, uh, I have a gentleman that's, that's teaching our men's class right now uh, for a series, and we're going through some, some Genesis material. And uh, think back with me with the creation. We jumped into it on day six. But on day one, there was light and darkness. On day two, you got firmament. On day three, you've got, uh, what do you got? On day three, you've got the, uh, the earth and the vegetation, right? On day four, you've got sun, moon, and stars. On day five, uh, you, you've, got, um, you've got the sea creatures, fowls, fish, and fowl. Day six, you get to man. 
On day six, you get to man and woman. On day six, you get man and woman, and man names all the animals. And he sees Mr. and Mrs. Elephant, and he sees Mr. and Mrs. Uh, we have alligators down our way, you know. And uh, so there was a Mr. and Mrs. of those. Uh, and then he sees Mr. Adam, and he says, it is not good that man should be alone. And God had a plan about that. We're talking about it. And each of those days of creation, God said, that's good. That's good. He said it, you know, five times. That's good. And then God made Adam and Eve. And God said, that is, say it with me, that is very good. That's your next blank there. God's plan, very good. As I was looking over these notes this afternoon, isn't it interesting, ironic, and very understandable that the Bill Gateses of the world, the Charles Schwabs of the world, uh, the biggity bigs, the big wigs, the world reset people, all of that kind of thing or whatever, what are they worried about? They're worried about what God said was good. But how much are they worried about what God said is very good? Climate change, climate change, climate change, you know? We got to do this and we got to change our whole lifetime, you know, to, to fix what God said was good. But the thing that God said is very good is marriage. And that's getting torn apart, you know, uh, hand over fist. And that's what we as God's people are very uh, uh, coming before the Lord to get God's help with. And so God's plan is very good. And anything that's very good needs to be worked at with all diligence. So uh, your notes there, God's creation, God saw it was good. Uh, marriage, God saw that it was very good. Uh, the world says the action, you know, the fun uh, the pizzazz is in the premarital, in the extramarital, uh, in all of that sort of adventure and uh, riotous living and what have you and so on. There's an interesting passage in Proverbs chapter 2 and verse 17. I didn't put the whole verse in there, but it's a verse that's talking about the strange woman. And in that passage about the strange woman, I'm going to take the time to look it up. I want to read that verse for you. I probably should have squeezed that verse in. Proverbs chapter 2 and verse 17 is very interesting, and it just shows us what God thinks about his plan, uh, even for the whole world, okay? Uh, Proverbs chapter 2 and verse 17 uh, it's talking about the strange woman in the context, verse 17, the strange woman forsaketh the guide of her youth. So here she's off the reservation. She's not concerned about marriage. She's living uh, very much apart from that. Uh, so which forsaketh the guide of her youth. Now listen to what God says, and forgetteth the covenant of her God. She forgot about God's covenant of marriage, but God didn't forget about it. And so we're gathered together this morning, I, uh, this, this morning, yeah, <laughs> it's been a crazy time, okay. Uh, we're gathered together here this evening because uh, we understand it's a covenant. We understand it's a gift of God. We understand uh, that it, it's God's plan, and we're concerned about that. So uh, the last thing I said on that page, God's marriage covenant was still in effect, even in spite of her unbelief and disobedience. And let me just pull that back and apply it to us tonight. We're not the strange man and the strange woman. That would be unsaved and not living in, a, in accordance with the word of God. Uh, we are saved. Thank God for his grace and his mercy and drawing us together. Uh, but we want to more than remember that covenant. Uh, we want to flourish and grow and be blessed in it. And so what God says is very good 
Would you say that about your marriage tonight? Our marriage is very good. And on a spectrum of 1 to 10 or 1 to 100, where's yours? Well, God's perspective is 100. None of us are in perfection, but God wants us moving into a stronger uh, area. And so may the Lord help us uh, in that endeavor. Number three, marriage fills a basic need or purpose. Marriage fills a basic need or purpose. Secular views... Well, secular views are based on, uh, number one, not based on love. That's your first blank. And if your eyes are flying open saying, wait a minute, you know, love is in our marriage. I guess that if we would go with the Greek word, I'm thinking of eros. If you want a good King James couple of words, you don't have this reference down, but 1 Peter 2.11, fleshly lusts, okay, fleshly lusts, 1 Peter 2.11, um, marriage isn't based on fleshly lust. We're humans, and God has given us desires and appetites, and, and within marriage, uh, the marriage bed is, is, is godly and honorable in all. Uh, but the secular view, you know, <clears throat> it's all about love, lust. And when the lust fails, it's over, and we move on. That's the secular view. And, and number two there, it's not based on sex. Uh, we're talking about the secular view. The secular view, and we have an example of Jesus, but the secular view, that's what it's just about, all about, or very strongly so. And if you lose that, you lose everything, uh, physical intimacy. Well, what do we have as an example? Jesus, the woman at the well, uh, he showed his Messiah uh, mind reading, his divine uh, omniscience to the woman. And she said, whoa, uh, you must be the Messiah and so on. Uh, He told me everything I ever did. Uh, John 14, uh, John 4.18, he whom thou now hast is not thy husband. So if sex is marriage, she's married. And she's, you know, she's, she's had marriage for five or six husbands or so. Well, she was between husbands. She was in a physical relationship. And Jesus said, the one that you have a physical relationship is not your husband. Why? Because she wasn't under God's covenant of marriage. That's God's design. And so Jesus indicated that physical intimacy is not the equivalent of marriage. Now, having said that, And we're still thinking about the secular view, but having said that, let me say this. It's in your notes, when possible, uh, between uh, married spouses in the will of God, physical intimacy should be prominent. It should be regular. There are seasons of life and so on. But we're talking about connection, and we'll say more about it. And so, you know, physical intimacy is very, very important to the point where when the Apostle Paul got God's... um, message and truths, uh, Bible truths, as we're talking about, about connection. Uh, in 1 Corinthians 7, 5, uh, Paul said, defraud not one another. And he was specifically talking about the physical area. And so that takes communication. We're going to talk about communication. This was pretty good, okay? And it, and it kind of, you, you need to put the steel toe shoes on because sometimes you say, ouch, you know, uh, and we all need to learn and grow in a lot of these areas. But um, uh, defraud not. So to refuse to participate uh, actively and, and cheerfully and so on, uh, there, there's, there's a situation that needs to be worked through because marriage fills a basic need or purpose. And that's just one of them, but it's a very important one, okay? So B, the Bible tells us the basic purpose of marriage. 
And we're not going to start with the physical one, okay? Uh, because that's a part of the whole package. Genesis 2.18, and we saw that in our opening scripture, it is not good that man should be alone. And so, again, in the will of God, are there any single men or women that never get married or so on? Uh, yes, there are. And, and all in the will of God and so on. The Lord has to lead in that. Uh, but uh, God's design is for men and women to be drawn together in, in marriage under the Lord. It's not good that man should be alone. The intertwining, you got a couple of blanks here, commitment. The one that's filled in is companionship. And the other blank, completion. Spouses, you, you are to be committed to this. Uh, we are each other's best companion. We're, we're, it's not good for a man to be alone, to be help, meet for him, suitable, a help meet, a completer. Okay, so that idea of commitment and completion and intertwining of persons, ideas, ideals, and goals. Those are some blanks to fill in. Ideas, ideals, and goals. So the purpose of marriage, it's about commitment. It's about companionship. And again, back to that physical area, uh, you know, a lot of things can happen to us physically. Uh, but marriage goes right on. The commitment goes right on. Companionship goes right on and even deepens. That's what this is all about. Uh, empty nesters, we're going to talk about that. When are most sport games won? First half, second half. Okay, we'll do left hand, right hand. Okay. So first half is left hand, uh, uh, second half is right hand. When are most games won? Okay. <laughs> second half, right? The buzzer beater, you know, right at the end. Okay. I'm asking you, are you going to finish strong in the second half? And we don't know how long the half is. My half, the rest of my half may be done tomorrow if God calls us home, you know. But let's finish strong. How do we do that? We'll be talking about that tonight, tomorrow. And so... Um, uh, for the unsaved, it's, it's uh, ideas that are off the board. But for the saved, it's about commitment. It's about completion. It's about finishing strong. Um, number two under B there, if you're saved, we're talking about the purpose of marriage. It's about service. It's about service. Uh, Joshua twenty four fifteen. as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. If you're uh, an empty nester, it even rhymes, as for me and my spouse, <laughs> okay? Uh, but we shall serve the Lord. What higher, better purpose of your marriage than to be serving the Lord? Uh, whatever we do, uh, whether we eat or drink or whatsoever we do to bring glory to the Lord, that should be uh, our marriage purpose. So marriage fills a basic need or purpose, number four. We're doing great. We're moving right along. Uh, marriage is a growing relationship. Now, we read this in Genesis chapter 2 uh, in, in our opening scripture reading. Um, man should not, therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh. I want to read it to you again. And it's about the same thing, but I'm just going to show you to you in the New Testament because it's marked in red in my Bible. It's the words of Jesus Christ. He's teaching a very important message on, on marriage and, and divorce. And, and the scripture says they're tempting him. They're trying to trip him all up about divorce and marriage and all these kinds of things. And there are wrong purposes in it and the wrong understanding 
things of it. And uh, not to get into all the uh, wonderful applications of this passage, but Jesus says this in Mark chapter 10. Do I have this uh, scripture? I do. Mark chapter 10 and verse 7. Jesus said, For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, and they, shall, and they twain shall be one flesh, so they are no more twain but one flesh. I like how he even repeated it in verse 8. And they twain shall be one flesh. So then they are no more twain but one flesh. So Jesus reiterates that point of connection. What a wonderful theme that you have here in this retreat, connection. So we're going to talk about that in A, B, and C. Let me have you fill in A, marriage involves leaving. A, marriage involves leaving for A. Turn your page for just a second. We'll fill in A, B, and C. Marriage involves cleaving. Genesis chapter 2, Mark chapter 10. Leaving, marriage involves cleaving. C, marriage involves weaving. We're doing great. When we get there, we'll be uh, just about through. And so go back to A. Marriage involves leaving. It's a strong word. It means to abandon, to forsake. Uh, this must be balanced with Deuteronomy 4.9. Okay, so, so you get married and you leave your parents. Duh, you know, I mean, we understand that. You get married and you go out on your own as, as a, a newlywed couple or what have you. And so just to balance that abandon or forsake, it's a strong word to leave. And it needs to be strong because we're our own one flesh entity, okay? So we balance that out by saying we're not abandoning our parents. Uh, we're not abandoning our grandparents in the sense of, you know, uh, just forget about them or what have you. First uh, Timothy 5.8 and Deuteronomy 4.9 speak to that. But it does mean cut the apron strings, it means, number two, more than geographical leaving. Now, this is very foundational for, for young couples in premarriage counseling and so on. We're not doing premarriage counseling. We, we've been at this a while here this evening. And so for us to just understand God has brought us together, and we need to, to, to take that union and, and fill that purpose full I don't know if you've heard this explanation about these changing relationships, and we're going to be talking about uh, this in more detail in the empty nester time, and please bring your questions. Uh, please bring your questions if you're going to be in our session, and we'll go over some things and then and go over some things together. But uh, TPT, that means temporary, permanent, and temporary. Those are your two blanks, temporary, permanent, and temporary. So very quickly on that, you weren't in your parents' house forever. You understand that. You left. I left when I was basically 18. Graduated from Bob Jones, out in summer ministry, basically all four years in summer uh, ministry opportunities, and then got married. And uh, next month, um, or August, will be our 45th wedding anniversary. I so uh, thank uh, the Lord for my wife, Teresa. Uh, but you're temporary in your family, and then you get married, and then you have kids. And they are temporary, okay? So you're, you came from a family as kids. That was temporary. You come together, and then you have kids. But if the Lord tarries, they're, 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 they're going to be out the nest. We've been empty nesters for 17 years. And so what is the permanent part of those changing seasons? The permanent part is the marriage union. 
one flesh. They twain shall be one flesh. Are you putting enough emphasis into that? And when you have kids, you have got to put emphasis in that. I mean, you're the parents, and so that takes time, and that takes effort and direction and all those kinds of things and so on. You need to come to uh, the other Pastor Barber split session, uh, I guess, and so on, to learn about those kind of marriage principles or what have you and so on. But um, we are talking about a growing relationship, this number four. So to work on this permanent relationship that God has given us, be uh, settle past conflicts, Anything about the leaving, anything that's come along, uh, you know, if there's relationship problems with in-laws, outlaws, uh, other <laughs> individuals or situations, um, and how do you know if there's past conflicts or if there's a problem, if, it, if it's hurting your relationship with your spouse? Something he's done, something you've done, something you've done together, something you haven't done. If there's, if there's stumbling blocks, if there's problems, if there's difficulties, you need to get to God, you need to get to your pastor, you need to get to the Word of God. God has answers because your marriage is very good. And if we're not experiencing that, God needs to help us settle some past conflicts. Why? So we can grow. So we can move beyond some of these things with the Lord's blessing, get, get it under the blood and under, uh, under God's help. So uh, settle the past, see, we're not slavishly dependent on parents for our own responsibilities. That might be, again, more applicable uh, for younger newlyweds and so on. Uh, but then when the kids leave the nest, empty nester stuff, uh, we shouldn't let them be overly dependent upon us. We train them to get out, and then it's like, hey, get out. <laughs> uh, go uh, uh, with the Lord's blessing, and so on. So uh, to have that understanding and then putting your spouse's concerns first and foremost in your priorities. My wife and I were talking about this. My parents were a godly uh, pastor, Christian people, and uh, twice in between ministries and getting ready to start a church. And my parents said, if you want to move your family in with us, and we did that twice in seasons of life. And it was brief. But you know what I found out? As soon as I get under my dad's roof, I was a kid again. And I was listening to dad. And my wife said, honey, the kids need this. Or honey, you should be thinking about that. It's like, well, no, honey, my dad's here. And I have to say yes, sir, to my dad, you know. Well, no, the permanent relationship is your husband and wife, you and your spouse. Those other things are there, and, and, and my parents were great. Did you take it to them? Sure, of course. You need to do that or take care, and so on. So some of these things we think we know, but then we come under it, and, and it hurts us or can hurt your spouse or what have you. So don't uh, put your spouse's concerns first and foremost in your list of priorities. Okay. Um, B, marriage involves cleaving. And so the verse, again, Mark 10, 7 said, For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife. Uh, husbands, this is where you can hold your wife's hand. Now, I know you're writing and so on, but uh, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about getting glued together. We're talking about uh, two becoming one, uh, cleaving. I looked up how they make plywood. And in your notes, the illustration of plywood, when it says many layers are glued and pressed together, there's actually cold press and hot press. When Hurricane Matthew came through our area, it, it took down easily a million trees on our island. And there's still 20 million more. <laughs> uh, but, um, and they were, they were making plywood as fast as they could ship it in. And, and it was out in the parking lot and steam coming off of it. And people buying it to, to board up their houses and so on. Um, that's interesting. 
because in my mind, cold is like hardships, grief, difficulties, challenges in life, in marriage, in kids, in situations. And what are those things supposed to do? It's supposed to press us closer together. And the devil wants it to rip us apart, right? So there's cold press and there's hot press. They literally steam it and they're pressing it. So, you know, this ply, that ply, this ply, that ply. That. And when you get all done, that thing is welded. It is pressed. It is stuck together. That's your marriage. And, God, and Jesus said it twice. So we're to cleave. Leave father and mother. We're to be cleaving. And again, these principles will help us making sure that cleaving is still working and getting stronger. Uh, number two, it means learning to love. 1 Thessalonians 4, 9 says we are taught of God to love. Anything we're taught in, you know, we don't learn just by falling off along backwards, you know. It's not easy schmeasy necessarily. Uh, and so learn to love your spouse now in this season of life, this weekend. <laughs> when do you go home? R- right now. Uh, learn what it means from God's perspective to love your spouse and, and be teachable and apply truths and, and cleave. Are you cleaving? Do you, do, you, do you have that sense of wonderful cleavemanship? <laughs> you know, uh, cleaving uh, with your spouse. Uh, uh, number three, it means commitment to Christ. I believe you have that or you wouldn't be here. Commitment to Christ and then commitment to each other. We're going to figure this out. We're going to get God's help. We're going to be patient. We're going to be kind. We're going to be loving. We're going to understand. We're going to work it through. We're going to trust God. We're going to be on faith. We're going to stand on Christ's ground. We're committed to this. It is not, we're filling in more blanks. It's not blind chance. We know that. It's not blind chance. Even if you were unsaved when you met your spouse in the sovereign leadership of God, it wasn't blind chance. It's choice, deliberate choice. That's your blank. It's not convenience. It's obedient. So are you loving your spouse when it's convenient? Or are we loving our spouse out of obedience? Um, How the cookie crumbles or covenant? It's a covenant. Just uh, because we're compatible, and as soon as we lose our compatibility, that's a big divorce thing. You know, we're going to be best friends, and we're going to both co-parent the children, and we're going to be compatible, uh, but we can't be married because we're not compatible. Um, uh, God says you are welded. You're welded. And if you try to take those sheets apart, you're going to literally shred them. Have you ever tried to take a piece of plywood apart? I have. And, and it doesn't come clean. It, it, it shreds. And so, so we need God's help. And then the last C is weaving. Marriage involves weaving one flesh. Jesus said no more twain, but one flesh. I love Jesus' math. One plus one is one. <laughs> One spouse plus one spouse equals one marriage, one, one entity under God. So we're welded together spiritually, mentally, physically, emotionally, every way you can possibly think. Illustration, you may lose your health, wealth, or job. You may get bunions, bulges, bifocals, and baldness. I'm working on a few of those, you know. At least I don't have the bifocal line, but I guess these are progressives, whatever that means, you know. Uh, stick with it. Draw closer. There's mountains. There's valleys. We've come through them, right? And there's more on the horizon. Valleys, mountains, cold press, hot press. Uh, what for? Uh, I'm reading a book right now recommended to me by another one of my sons, Sticky Teams. We need sticky marriages. Sticky marriages. Whatever happens, you just stick more. Whatever happens, you just stick more. And so let's get that stickiness. And folks, in our culture, we're going to need it. 
Our culture doesn't believe in God, doesn't believe in the Bible, doesn't believe in church, doesn't believe in everything I said. It's a waste of time. It's useless. And it's everything. It's the joy. It's the blessing. It's the power. It's what the next generation needs and so on. So marriage is a picture. Number five, it's a picture of a marriage made in heaven. I'm preaching through Revelation. We're in chapter 13 right now in our church. Getting ready to preach about the false prophet in chapter 13. But your marriage is a picture of Christ in the church. Glory, hallelujah. And none of us measure up, but be committed to Christ. And he'll help us. He'll help us make it better. Uh, how the, B, how the church should obey Christ. How the church should obey Christ. Note, it must begin with both the husband and the wife submitting first. When I have marriage counseling, I go to verse 21 first because it says, submitting one another to the fear of God. So, yeah, why my wife isn't submitting? Well, my husband isn't leading. My husband. Yeah, are you submitted to God? Because God says yield. God says obey. God says be humble. God says be patient. Okay, so we're committed to Christ. We're obeying Christ. It begins with husband and wife submitting to the Lord. See uh, of the way Christ loves. It's a picture. Picture of the marriage in heaven. Picture of how the church obeys Christ. How should the church obey Christ? Fully, completely, joyfully, you know, sacrificially. We should do that as a couple. It's a, it's a marriage picture. And we need to keep that picture as focused as possible. That means God's kind of love. So that eros kind I was talking about before, no, this is agape love, 1 Corinthians 13. We know that. Sacrificial love that comes through enablement of the Holy Spirit. We can't do it in and of ourselves. And let's just be honest, guys. We have some bad habits with our spouses. We don't listen. We think of ourselves first. We're too easy on ourselves. We're not completely honest with ourselves about, about our relationship or where we are or where we need to be or we're not motivated for some reason or so on. And spouses, the same way. And so let's be honest before the Lord. Let's, let's ask God to convict. And let's be full of faith. Don't go out of here saying, oh, my marriage is a mess. It's going to stay a mess. No, it's got God's help, and it'll be helped. It'll be stronger. God wants it to succeed. God wants us to finish strong in the second half. So let's be confident of that in the Lord. Put off what's wrong. Put on what's right. God helping me, I will endeavor to make my marriage a better portrait of God's love. This is completely up to you. But if you would feel helped as a husband and wife, to sign that before the Lord and say, Honey, I want this for you, and I want this for my marriage. Husband, I want this for you. I want this for our marriage. Sign it, date it. That won't, that won't uh, guarantee uh, success, but it sure will indicate we're going to work on this, and we're going to work on this together. It's a blessing for my wife and I to be here. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you that... In spite of our culture, and in spite of our own sinful proclivities, in spite of our own depraved natures, in spite of our own selfishness, Lord, we're thankful for the love of God, love that saved us, love that brought us together as couples, uh, love that's brought us our children, our grandchildren, so many blessings, Lord, and challenges and difficulties along the way, and maybe some right now, 
And Lord, we just give ourselves afresh to you. Give us a fresh commitment to Jesus Christ. Lord, help our connection to Christ to be stronger as a result of this weekend. And Lord, as a result, and also as a special prayer request, Lord, that our marriages would be stronger in connection because of what we learn and what we determine to, uh, to hear and to obey on. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.